Welcome to Speaking the Truth in Agape Love Podcast. We are hosts, Chad Mitchell and David Finch. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Mitchell. I'm David Finch. And uh, we're glad to be back with you for another study. We're going to be talking about tactics. Um, so we got a great study I'm looking forward to. Yes. And um, as we always mention, we want to invite you to um, like, subscribe to the podcast, uh, share with your friends if you like what you hear. Uh, we certainly appreciate all you listening. Uh, we see we see the hits on the podcast, and we appreciate you listening. Um, it, it always gives us encouragement to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but otherwise, we just enjoy the study, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so if you guys don't listen, we're probably still going to study. So. <laughs> Because we get stuff out of it all the time. Yeah, it, absolutely. So um, always good when we can get together and study from God's Word. Um, if you have any questions or emails or comments or you want us to touch on a topic, uh, send us an email at truthinagapelove at gmail.com. That email's in the link of the description here, so you can just click on it, um, copy and paste it, send us a note. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Um, and most importantly, if you're in the area, if you're in Blackfoot, uh, come and worship with us. We'd love to have you. You're always uh, welcome. We'll welcome you with open hands. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'd love to have you come worship with us. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, 10 o'clock for class, 11 o'clock for worship. And then we have a Bible study Wednesday evenings at 7.30. So with that, we'll... And it's uh, 370 North Schilling. 370 North Schilling, Blackfoot, Idaho. 83221. Yes. And if you're going to Yellowstone... This summer, stop in and see us. Uh, love we're to have we're you. on the way. We're about two hours from Yellowstone, uh, in between Salt Lake and Jackson. So oh, we'd love to have you. And we got there's room to park RVs and all that good stuff. And uh, so if you're traveling through this summer, look us up. Yes. So with that, we'll go ahead and get into our study, Dave. Yeah. So today I want to talk about uh, tactics. Now, there was a saying by Brad Thor. And he said, anyone that goes into battle, goes into battle knowing the mindset and tactics of their enemies. Mm -hmm. And so as Christians, our enemy is Satan. Christians can only recognize their enemy and tactics only from a position of biblical understanding and maturity. Yeah. You can only recognize Satan for who he is by knowing the scripture and knowing who he is. Mm -hmm. And so... And you, they say that uh, a teacher knows his audience. Uh, you know, a, a a warrior knows his opponent. Yeah. You know, they study their opponent. Uh, in uh, in sports, in football, they yeah. really study their opponent. I mean, they look at film. You know. Yeah. Uh, so so you you have to study your opponent. You have to know what you're up against. You have to know what you're going to watch out for. And I, I think those are some simple examples. That this is what we're talking about. You have yeah. to know your opponent. Not necessarily opponent, but know who's trying to get at us and know who we're studying with, you know? Yeah. Uh, be, sometimes we have to be careful not to offend them right off the bat because we want we want to share you yeah. know, the gospel with them. And uh, there's a movie I watched one time, and it, he said on there, the greatest, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled. Wow, if I can talk. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest trick the devil, the devil ever pulled was convincing that he never existed. Yeah. Something along those lines. Don't quote me on that that 
I paraphrased a little bit, but well, and he started with Eve, you know, in that's the garden, right. and and he convinced her that she surely shall not die. Yeah, you know that the punishment was death, and and he talked her out of it. Yeah, and how did he do that? By lying to mm-hmm. her. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, turn with me to First Peter five. Uh, we're gonna read eight through eleven, and this is gonna really dig into really what Satan is seeking to do with your soul. What he's seeking to do with you. Um, And we're going to kind of be making reference to verse 8 quite a bit. So keep keep the first verse kind of in the forefront of your mind as we go through this. Um, Chad, do you want to read it actually? Yeah, 8 through... 11. Okay. Excuse me. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. <clears throat> Excuse me. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who calls us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thank you. So, the, that first verse, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Yeah. So as a, as a Christian, this is the reason why you need to study and meditate in the truth. We must know and understand who Satan is and, and how, how he's going to attack. And you know, one thing to point out, too, with this lion... If you've ever watched any of those, uh, you know, animal shows, the lion spends a lot of time studying its prey. Yeah. A lot of time. I mean, time is no issue. Mm-hmm. They study that animal and figure out what his move is before they attack. And they attack him at the, just the right moment. That's right. And they spend a, they put a lot of effort into it. They attack him just where it's going to be the easiest to kill. Yeah. And, you know, that's why this is such a great example. That's right. Because it's, you know, we can look at that and know that that's how the devil is. Yeah. And so today we're going to kind of be talking about how how Satan is going to attack us. The different kind of ways he's going to attack mm-hmm. us. And the first, Satan attacks through lies. Yeah. Um, if you would, turn with, uh, with me to John eight forty four. So if you have your Bible handy with you, turn over there with me. That's John chapter 8, verse 44. And this is Christ speaking here. And he says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So I want to just kind of draw the the back half of this verse how he is the father of lies he is a liar he cannot speak truth you know and satan has been at this from the very beginning Mm -hmm. as we see with adam and eve you know genesis 3 1 through 6 he was the first to lie that's why he's the father of lies makes me think um it's a wonder that we keep listening to him because when we, if you know someone that lies a lot, do you trust them? Not even a little. Not even a little. Like, and it takes a long time to gain, like if they, if they straighten up, 
yeah. and changed our ways. It still takes a long time to trust them, doesn't it? Oh yeah, you're still very conscientious of yeah of their attitude, how they were. You know that it's very hard to trust a liar. Oh man, yeah, and and it's just funny that we keep falling for Satan, right? You know, and of course he's deceptive, very deceptive. And a lot of times we don't, if we don't study the Bible, we will ne- never recognize when he's lying. Mm-hmm. We will never recognize the lie because, you know, this is what's very important in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Notice, I, I wanted to kind of draw this out because Satan didn't all out and out lie, but it was enough of a lie to convince her to do it. Now, um, let's read it. And then I'll kind of explain what I what I mean over here. So Genesis 3, 1 through 6 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. (laughs) Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So, go ahead, Chuck. Oh, you know what's interesting about this is there's, you know how you always say there's a little truth in every lie? Yeah. This is exactly what he did. That's right. I I never thought of it that way when I've read this before. But he was truthful. He was. Was he not? Yeah. He wasn't. He was lying, but not lying. You know? It was like both mixed in there. Yeah. And, and... Because you notice, after this, Adam and Eve didn't die. No. So from this, we know that there's two different kinds of death. There's a physical death yeah. and then a spiritual death. Mm-hmm. And and by a spiritual death is when you separate yourself from God. So in a sense, he wasn't lying at all. That's right. And, and that is the important he key here. He was deceptive. He was deceptive. So <coughs> not and, revealing the whole truth is also... A lie is also very deceptive. You know, just like it's my job and my responsibility to reveal the whole truth of God. Mm -hmm. It's my job, right? If I leave any part out because I just don't want to talk about it or Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of how everyone's going to react, well, I'm being deceptive just like Satan is here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you see in verse 9 and 10, we don't need to necessarily... Read that, but in verses 9 and 10 of Genesis 3, we see that from this, after they ate, they have separated themselves from God, because then they recognized they were naked, and then when, when God came around, they were too ashamed to face him. And so... I love how he's like, you to- who told you you were naked? Yeah. You know. Did you eat? And God was like, did you eat of the tree? <laughs> and then he totally blames it on the woman. Yeah. It wasn't me, it was her, man. Yeah, and that's what typical... <laughs> Man or human behavior Yeah, it's like is. human nature, totally. Uh, this whole thing is human nature. Yeah. You know. Can you imagine blaming God for this? Because he, he said, uh, 
the woman who you gave me yeah, yeah, yeah. gave it to me and yeah, I ate. Yeah, it's yeah. like, talk totally. about trying to, God blessed you with her, yeah. and now you're trying to use that against God? Totally throwing her under the bus oh, right man. off the bat. And, you know, oh. <laughs> so anyway, so, but I'm, I'm glad you brought that out, Chad, because that's exactly what he did. He didn't exactly all-out lie. It wasn't an all-out lie. It wasn't. They didn't understand the the difference between a spiritual death and a physical death. Yeah. And he played to that. And he did. He played them. He played, played to that. Played them like a fiddle. And, and, you know, that's why I guess it's it's hard for us. You know, we have to catch ourselves because we, we, we sometimes trust error. You know, we trust yeah. f- false things and don't realize until we're, you know, it's all over. Yeah. And just like it talks about in 2 Timothy 2.15. Now, we, we have brought this verse out quite a bit. Uh, Study to show yourself approved unto the Lord, that a workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. <clears throat> now, that last part there is so crucial for us, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to study his word with the right kind of heart, with the right kind of motive behind it. And the motive must be keeping the Word of God in its context, in its entirety, and having a love for the truth that you don't want to change it to fit your life, but rather you want to change your life in every way to fit the Word of God. Yeah. So there, there's a different kind of study, because there's people that study the Scripture their entire life and never never able to rightly divide the Word of Truth. And that's because they study it with this agenda of trying to prove themselves right. Yeah. And, you know... If you have any questions on that, you can just kind of email me, and I can dig into that a little bit more with you. But what the the point I'm trying to make is how how deceptive and and how how good Satan is at his job of deceiving the world, and he did this kind of thing with with uh, Christ as well in Matthew four. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, it's it's just like a good salesman or something, you know? Oh, yeah. I seen a meme the other day, of, and it, it showed a bunch of Eskimos with their Eskimo huts, you know, out yeah. on the ice. And there's a guy pushing off his boat and waving goodbye to him. And next to each each uh, igloo is a, a freezer, like a brand new freezer, okay? And it says, there goes Joe, salesman of the year. And he's waving at him, <laughs> you know? He, yeah. sold, he sold all the Eskimos freezers. Yeah, you know? that's funny. And, it, and it, it, you know, what kind of talking would you have to do with the Eskimos? To, you know, it just, it's just a funny thing, but it's it's true that that uh, Satan, you know, is, and I'm not knocking on salesmen, okay? I mean, the salesman's got to sell his products, <laughs> right. okay? But we've all been duped by, you know, something like that. Yeah. Okay? And we have uh, buyer's remorse or whatever, you know, the next day. You can just imagine the the Eskimo. I was, what did I buy this freezer for? <laughs> I could just left it outside, you know. You know, and but, I was. But that's how Satan was here. Yeah, he sold him something. That's right. And you know what's funny is I used to be a salesman. Yeah. I used to be a car salesman. Yeah. The nothing against car salesmen, but I wasn't very good because you know I would be sitting there. We called it the first pencil, right? Where you would you would come out and this is the offer, and they'd be like, "Well, can you do any better?" Well, a good salesman would be like, no, this is a great deal. But I'm like, I don't want to deceive him. I'm like, yeah, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the boss. And, you know, because I don't like doing that. So, 
you know, and because initially what what I was doing was taking money out of my pocket, sure, and putting it back in theirs, and you know, well, and you and, can't you can't take care of a family like that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we kind of get this because the the uh, the the devil's going to do this to us, right? He's going to be just like that. And That's right. Like I said, I'm not knocking on salesmen. I'm just I'm just saying it's a hard job. He, he's going to really try to trick us. Yeah. That's his job. And, you know, I love the analogy with the devil since we're talking about this because, you know, understanding the enemy. Um, another example is going fishing. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have a whole tackle box full of deception. And I've brought this up before. And you're trying to deceive that fish into thinking that this is really good to eat. Mm, you yeah. disguise the hook, you know. Yep. And all this stuff. And you put good food on there, something that tastes really good that they can't resist. And boom, you got them. You catch the fish. Yeah. A good fisherman is a good at deceiving. And, you know, you've seen the guys that tie flies. Oh, my goodness. It's like an art, man. Yeah. They'll tie the flies. They'll tie those things on the hook and make it look just like whatever they're eating at the moment. And that lands on the water and boom, them fish are right there. And they just swallow it. Hook, line, and sinker, right? Yeah. You say? <laughs> yeah. And and that's how the devil is. He's 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 trying to deceive. He's trying to disguise it, cover it up. That's you know? right. Make it look pretty. Make it look shiny. You know, things yep. like that. And that's that's what we do when we go fishing. Don't believe him. There's a hook in there. Don't believe him. <laughs> there's a hook. And and that's the thing. And then once he gets you, boom. Now what? Yeah. You know. And and so you know, there's a couple things too here because with with Adam and Eve, you know, I was kind of thinking. Another way to look at this is sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Sometimes we have to mess up. And then we realize, oh, yeah. oh that's what he was talking about, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that gives us an excuse to go out and sin. But sometimes we learn the hard way, you know? And, and, and it makes us wake up. It's like, oh, oh. You know that um, Eve was like, oh, that's what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and Adam and Eve, and it, yeah. you know, of course, we joke around, thanks. Uh, woman, you know, now we got to deal with these thorns and thistles and stuff. Yeah. We joke around about it. But uh, Adam didn't have to eat it either. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, is um, there were consequences and we have to deal with those consequences. And and sometimes it makes us turns turns us even more stronger to the Lord. That's what we need. That's what we need to make it do. When we mess up. We need to realize, oh, okay. and try to learn from it. Okay, this is what they're talking about, and we learn from it, and we thank goodness we have a savior. You know, we talk about him all the That's time right. that he can forgive us of those mistakes, and we can push, you know, ever more harder towards the 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 straight and narrow path. You yeah. know, and um, a lot of times you hear about successful uh, businessmen. Yeah. They're successful because they failed in the past. Yep. And they've learned from their failures what not to do the next time. Yeah. Um, I know Trump had quite a few failed mm-hmm. businesses before he became very successful. Yeah. And, you know, lucky for him, he had parents that could just fork out the money to help <laughs> yeah. him out. But, yeah. you know, a lot of successful businessmen were failures at the beginning. And it's kind of the same thing with, with what we're talking about here is – you're you're gonna fall short and you're gonna slip up, but learn from it. Yeah, and you know, and that's what we're trying to do. And as a Christian, that's what you you try to do. You try to not mess up the next time. Yeah. You know, as a another example is if any of you have um, ever watched a chicken egg hatch, a chicken or any kind of a bird, 
if you help bust the shell open and help that bird get out, it will die. Yeah. Because it needs to struggle to to get through that shell. It makes that struggle makes them stronger so that they can, you know, withstand the harsh environment in the world outside of the egg. And they have to struggle. They have to have that struggle in order to be strong enough to survive. But if you pick the shell away and break it away for them, they won't make it. Yeah. And, you know, it's just God's design. That struggle makes them stronger. And, you know, of course. There's, Same there's, with the butterfly hatching. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And and so there's a lot of things like that. Um, examples. And shoot, there's scripture as well. Yeah. That, that we, that we well, learn from at, our struggles. Look at Peter. Yeah. He went from denying Christ to, at the end, dying for Christ. Yeah, and I guess the point is now, like, we're trying to explain the devil here. Yeah. Because we have to understand him. We yep. have to know our enemy. And that's that, right. That's what we're talking about here, kind of bringing it back. You yep, know? you did good. And so that, <laughs> that's exactly also what we see him doing with Christ in Matthew 4, okay. 5 through 7. And this is when Christ was... Tempted forty or yeah, tempted forty days and forty nights, hungered. You know he's he's yeah. hungered, and this is when the devil comes to tempt him. Mm-hmm. And so Matthew four five through seven it says, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So notice here something that's really (coughs) crucial to point out. Satan knows Scripture. Yeah. He studies Scripture Mm -hmm. to use it against you. Yeah. But what he does is he, he, he will take it out of context to fit his agenda. Now, and I bring this out because he knows, and by he I mean Satan, knows better than anyone that you do not tempt the Lord. After all, that's why Satan was cast out of heaven. When you look at Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, it actually talks about him falling from heaven. And so listen to this and listen how he fell. Starting in verse 12 of Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14? Yeah. And Chad, do you want to read that actually? Yeah. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. 12 through 15. Through 15. Yeah. Okay. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit... In the mount of the congregation, on the farthest side of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Through 15? Yes. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pits. And so, notice in here, Satan tried to exalt himself to be either equal to God, or if you look at verse 13, to be... To exalt his throne above the stars of God. And so, he tried to exalt himself above God. That is the very definition of tempting God, right? (laughs) 
Or am I looking at that wrong? Yeah, yeah. That's the very definition of tempting God. So if <clears throat> anyone knew not to tempt God, it would be Satan. Mm-hmm. So when, and I bring this out because when Christ said to him, it also says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan knew that. Mm-hmm. Satan knows better than anyone not to tempt the Lord your God. After all, he was in heaven with God. He tried to exalt himself and was cast out because he tempted God. So he knows better than anybody not to tempt the Lord your God. But notice, he didn't bring that out because it didn't fit his agenda. And so he brought out other verses to try to convince Christ to take the bait. You know, that lure. Yeah, (laughs) That fishing analogy. It was a lure. Hey, you know... Throw yourself down. God will take care of you. You know, and again, this is why we have to study God's Word. Yeah. Because who would have fallen for that? Especially in the weakness of the flesh that Christ was going through. But here's something else that we need to point out here. Satan was pitting one verse against another. Oh, yeah. And this is how... We know that it is not from God because the scripture works in perfect harmony with itself. Mm-hmm. Because if it didn't, that would mean that God contradicts himself. And God doesn't contradict himself. God's work is perfect. Deuteronomy 32 4. You know, his work is perfect. So God simply doesn't contradict himself, he just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And we see this still in the world today. We see Satan is still doing this same kind of thing today well it's a it's it's kind of like something i heard today um they're you know this gay agenda thing and i don't want to get too political but that's where we're going actually the, uh the um people today the the media and people that are trying to condone this action they bring up things like these are people with real feelings okay Who's saying they're not people and don't have feelings? I know. Nobody is. But yet, they try to uh, grandstand and say, basically accuse you of calling them not people and not real feelings. uh, Or, you know, that they don't have feelings. And they're accusing you of it, using it in their accusations of whatever, if you oppose this. Yeah. You know, so so they grandstand a little. Yep. And, and use these things that no one's even accusing them of. Yeah. You know? Or trying to say you don't love them. Yeah. And it's like... You don't love them. Well, who said if, they don't love them? If I didn't them? love them, I wouldn't be telling them. Yeah. We're not saying that, but they're putting the words in your yeah. mouth if you oppose it. So let's turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. So this is what we're talking about here. I didn't I didn't mean to like... No, what's funny is that's, right ex- that's exactly where we're going. <laughs> so it, it worked out perfectly. Well, I just... They're really pushing it today. Like the president yes. is is saying, a bar, like he's like these are real people. They love each other, and it's like no one's saying they they're not real people. Yeah, no one's saying that. Yeah, <laughs> what but, we're trying but it's, to it's say a is, tactic from the devil. That's right, and he's using it just like he did with Eve. There, he's twisting the words yeah. around and putting words in your mouth. You know? Satan Satan tries to make good evil and evil good. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. this is what we're really seeing. Yeah. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, I'll go ahead and read this. Okay. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So that's what it says. Now, what you're drawing out, Chad, I'm going to draw this out too. In verse 9, it talks about homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we can kind of draw out any of these but it, it links because it links this a bunch is, of them together right but because this is such a hot topic today oh man right even yeah. even among the denominational world we see more and more denominations accepting it mm-hmm. and here's how they do it they bring out verses like john three sixteen, you know yeah where um John 3.16 says, For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah. So they, they draw this out and say, Well, God loves us, and we believe in his Son, therefore we are saved. And what they're doing is they're pitting this verse against, against the verse we just read. Yeah. Well, God doesn't work that way. So either we're looking at 1 Corinthians 6 wrong, or we're looking at John 3.16 wrong. <laughs> but God is never wrong. And no. God doesn't contradict himself. The scripture works in perfect harmony. Whereas in when, you, when you really dig into those who believe in God and believe in his son, if you believe Christ, you're going to believe what he says to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. God s- said those who do practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, and they so lie, they, too, because a lot of the politicians just 10, 15 years ago said marriage was between a man and a woman. Yeah. And and then yet they just change and, and want, of course, they got the media behind them, but um, they say something totally different. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're just using whatever they can to maintain power. Yeah. And, but not only that, we see it... In the denominational world, too. Sure. They just more say more whatever. More are, are accepting it whatever to you try to bring in people. Yeah, which they, I, I understand what they're trying to do, but you can't twist the word of God to no. bring people to God. You know, I don't know how you can't read this in 1 Corinthians 6 and, right. and not go, hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like direct, you know, statement. It says it right there. Yeah. And, you know... Um, but they they do this throughout scripture. And so this is what this is the work of Satan. Yeah. So he has It's no different than he what he did now to Eve. Penetrated in the denominational world, he he penetrates wherever he can. Yeah. But he he penetrates and and twists scripture and pits one verse against another. You know, where where people try to pit one verse against another, but what they're really saying is God is imperfect, huh? and God made a mistake. He meant to say everyone's saved, but, you know, there he just kind of, you know, didn't. Or they, they try to denounce Paul as being an apostle. <laughs> and so... You know what's funny is I got a a commentator open on my my pocket computer phone. Yeah. Uh, Bible, pocket computer Bible. <laughs> it skips. It goes from nine to eleven here. Really? In First Corinthians six, it doesn't explain what's going on. In uh, oh wait, it does have nine. It skips ten. Sorry, it does have nine. I wonder what it says. He is he just comment commenting on it? 
And he doesn't have any comments for verse 10? Oh, uh, there's a comment on 9. 9. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Forget I said anything. <laughs> I was just going to say, this This might be one part where people will try to cut this out of their Bible, you know? Yeah. That's but, what I was getting at. And it's, But actually, when you turn over to... <coughs> here's the beautiful part. You know, when you turn over... And let me get there in my uh, big mechanical Bible big, here. Yeah, uh, backpack. <laughs> my backpack, backpack yeah. computer. Um, but when you continue on in these this verse, verse 11, you know, after he says they will not inherit the kingdom of God, he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And so here, he's saying, you know, as he's talking to the church of Corinth, he says, you guys used to be guilty of this. But when you were baptized into Christ, you were washed and sanctified from that. You know, because Romans 6 really dives into when you are baptized, you put away the old man, and you you get out of the watery grave, and you walk in newness of life with the, with the Lord, Romans 6, 4. And so, you know, that... You're, you're putting away the old man, the mm-hmm. old sinful man, you know, the one that used to do and practice all of these things, here's, and now you've come to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Here's one of, if you continue on it in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15 says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Yeah. You know, and he goes on there, you know, talking about flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Yeah. And do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So, I mean, boy, he, he really goes into detail there Yeah. on what you're doing if you sin like that. Yeah. And, boy, that that that, that should be a warning to us yeah and that of course that should deter you from you know if you recognize that you are you are called to be the temple of the lord yeah you know just like but you're one with christ yeah this is when you look at the old testament and how did they treat the temple Mm -hmm. you know they had the holy place where only the priest could go and then inside the holy place they had the holiest of holy and only the high priest could go in only once a year and only with blood. He mm-hmm. had to have a blood sacrifice mm-hmm. as he, he went into the most holy place because that's where God dwelt. That's how they treated the temple. And so our body is the temple of the Lord because when we, according to Acts 2.38, when we put on Christ in baptism, we, we are baptized into the Holy Spirit. You know, that's when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so now we are the temple of the Lord, because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Not in the way that, you know, we have these magical gifts. The The gift is the Holy Spirit. We don't have gifts from the Holy Spirit, and that's completely different than how the apostles had it. The apostles had the gifts from the Holy Spirit to prove that what they were speaking was indeed from God. So, again, if you have more questions on that, we can dig into that and email me, and, and we can sit down mm-hmm. and study that. I'm happy to do that with you. Um that's getting into a little bit more than what what we have here anyway. But going back to John 3.16, as, as people try to bring this out to say, all I have to do is believe. 
they're ignoring all the other verses and, and ignoring everything else that God says you have to do, mm-hmm. and even that Christ says you have to do. And, um, and this is how people fall from the truth. So they'll read John 3.16 and say, okay, well, I believe in, in Christ. Yeah, That's good. all I have to do. And then they close their Bible and never open it again mm-hmm. because I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and, and that's it. Well, that's not what he's saying here. No. You know, and, and you know, when you read through John 3, you know, that's definitely not what he's saying. But that's how Satan works. Yeah. If he can convince you that that's all you have to do. Oh, yeah, he just won. He will, he will do everything he can to make you continue to believe that lie. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by that. I've heard a lot of people living a very sinful life. And then you see them um, growing in, in wealth, physical physical growing, you know, in, in wealth and stature. And they're like, well, God is blessing me with all this stuff, so I must be doing okay. Is it God or is it Satan? Because Satan will, he is the, uh, he is the ruler of this world. When you go back to Matthew 4, let me turn over there because this is, Really important to understand, too. Matthew 4, and i got to turn over there because I want to make sure I don't... Um, where Jesus was tempted. Yeah, right. go, going back to where Jesus was tempted. Uh, starting in verse 8, and, and finish through verse 11. Says again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glories. And Satan said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. And so, notice in verse 8 and 9, he takes him and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan says, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I have no doubt that it was not within Satan's power to do that. Because he's the ruler of this world, he had the power to give him all of the kingdoms and their glories. Now, I do doubt that he would actually do it, right? Because he's a liar and the father of it, as we're talking about. But I have no doubt that he didn't have the power to give it to Jesus. I don't doubt that he couldn't have given it to him. Mm-hmm. Because he he is the ruler of this world. And so, that's important for us to understand because... Maybe it is Satan who is blessing you with this stuff to convince you that what you're doing is fine. Yeah, right. That, that is how Satan deceives. Mm-hmm. He makes you feel comfortable in your sin and convinces you that you're fine. And then as long as you don't read the Bible, he's got you yeah, forever. And we could talk a little bit about your conscience being, conscience being seared. Yeah. You know, because... You know, at first it might be like, oh, this is bad. I shouldn't do this. And the more you do it, you know, the more you, the, feel, comfortable the more you feel comfortable with it, but to the point where you don't even feel like it's there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. And, um, or it just doesn't bother you anymore. It just doesn't bother you anymore. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, you watch some of those criminal shows and that, um, you know, some of the things that they catch people doing, it, it didn't even bother. It doesn't even bother them anymore. Yeah. Well, and and a lot of times they don't start by killing people. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> it, they it, they gradually get there. It escalates, there. yeah. And that's uh, I've heard that a lot of detectives, when they it's have a, a suspect, when they have a suspect, they look at their record, because you know if you have a long track record of breaking the law and having no problem breaking the law, and it can eventually lead to either murder or something else, but. You know, a lot of times suspects are dropped because they have no track record. Yeah. And especially if it's like a really heinous crime. A lot of times people don't start there, you know, and so it's kind of dropped at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, there's there's different things that play into that as well. But Satan, what he does notice is he he's a liar and he deceives. He doesn't have to tell you the whole truth as long as you believe one lie he's got you um, well and, and like we talk about the body so one body don't give a place and are you turning to ephesians 4 no oh, okay but i was gonna say don't give a place for the devil to live yeah you know that, that is gonna be next okay and, and you're absolutely right um but james 2 10 real fast okay i, I want to read this real fast it says, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is mm-hmm. guilty of all. Yeah. This is where we see that Satan doesn't have to have all of you. Mm-hmm. He just has just to have one percent. Yeah, one percent of you. He, If he can convince you to believe a lie, he doesn't need you to bow down and worship him. He just needs you to think you're fine in your sin, and he has you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the most heinous sin. It just... Because, you know, when you look at Isaiah 59, 2, sin separates you from God. So when you transgress, you separate yourself from God. And so if you keep the whole law and you stumble in one point, you are guilty of all. You are a transgressor of the law. And that's what he's calling out here. So it doesn't matter where you transgress. If you're a transgressor, you're a transgressor. Mm-hmm. If he can convince you that you're fine... Then he has you, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. He doesn't need you to worship. He he can say, you know, he has no problem letting you believe in God the whole time. Mm-hmm. Notice in verse nineteen of James two, it says, "You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the demons believe." So clearly, if you just believe in God, that's not enough. If you believe and tremble, because even Satan himself believes and trembles. And you see Satan trembling before Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, when anytime he cast out demons, like throughout Mark especially, you see that they they call out, I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel, these unclean spirits. God commands that they be quiet and come out. God commanded them to be quiet and they listened. These are these are disobedient spirits. Mm-hmm. Heeding the voice of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's because they know they can get into a lot more trouble and they obey him. They tremble before him. They shut up. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they did not talk anymore after Christ told them to be quiet. And mm-hmm. so even the demons believe and tremble. Do they have hope of eternal life? No, they do not. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, Scripture talks about that too. They are they are going to be cast down to the eternal hellfire, mm-hmm. and so it takes more than belief. And so you have to take the Bible as a whole. You can't pick and choose what you want to believe. You have to take it as a whole. Mm-hmm. That way, you don't transgress at all throughout the law. Mm-hmm. And then Satan also attacks through your mind, and that's where you're getting ready to go. Um, Ephesians four twenty six yeah. through thirty one. Yeah, I mean, probably like in verse um, verse 27 of Ephesians 4, nor give place to the devil. Yeah. You know, he's talking about don't give it, don't even give him a place to live. You That's know? right. Um, in your mind, um, do you want to read the, you want to read the whole thing? Yeah, can you? Yeah, sure. <coughs> I got a scratchy throat today. Well, do you want me to read it? No, I can read it. Okay. Uh, let's see, Ephesians 4, 26 through... 31 says be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil and that's the one i just read let him who stole still no longer but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give to him who has who has need let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary advocation that it may impart grace to the hearers and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of uh, redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Okay, thank you. So at the beginning, I like verse 26 because he says, Be angry and do not sin. So he's going to say, you're going to get angry. Just sure. don't sin. Yeah. Now the, the, the point I really want to draw out here. When you are angry, you are vulnerable. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> you know, somebody cuts you off. Yeah. It, you know, you can go from being 100% happy to mm-hmm. 100% angry. Yeah. Just by something like that, especially when it's, like, so obvious, you know, when... Yeah, it's like a waited. trigger. It's like a, a trigger point, you yeah. know. It, and it, it's silly, but in that moment, don't sin. Yeah. You know, but... In your weakest moments, that's when Satan is going to attack. Mm -hmm. That is giving place to the devil. That is giving him an opportunity to enter into your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, Jay, let me ask you a question. When you get really mad, Mm -hmm. are you going to go to that one friend that is going to like kind of tell you that you're, man, I would have done more. You know, like, I don't have friends like this anymore. (coughs) But like in high school, right? Yeah, sure. I'm going to go to the friend because when I'm angry, I want to feel justified in my anger. Yeah. It's just kind of like, that's how I was. You know, it's like, I want to feel justified. So I'm going to go to the friend that tells me, oh, man, I would have done more. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have done this. I would have done that. Because then you feel justified. I'm not going to go to the one and be like, man, you really overreacted. Like, you shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because you don't want to hear that when you're angry. Right? And so... Well, that's what they're talking. Don't give a place to the devil. That's right. Don't give anywhere for him to reside. See, I cut out all the the evil people out of my life because bad company corrupts good habits, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's that's what's going on here. Don't give place to the devil because in your weakest moments, that's when Satan is going to penetrate your mind. And if you know, and this is why Christ when he's talking to Peter in Mark 14, 38. Mm-hmm. Now, this is when Christ is praying in the garden. 
That's what I was going to say. I love how you bring it to prayer because that's what you need to do. You need to pray. That's right. And and so Christ, when, when he comes to Peter, he's in verse 38 of Mark 14, he says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So in our weakness, that is what we need to overcome, you know. But how, how do we overcome is so important to recognize, mm-hmm. and that's going back to the beginning of the verse, being watchful and praying. Mm-hmm. You know, turn and rely on God and rely on his never-ending strength to calm you down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been times where I've had a really bad day where mm-hmm. um, either study didn't go the way I wanted and end up yelling at me, you know, and, and kicking me out of their house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm anxious and I'm kind of bothered by it. Mm-hmm. But then I go to the Word of God and I'm like, I just calm down. Mm-hmm. And I just start reading His Word and, and it has a way of just calming you down. And if you don't do that, then Satan will penetrate your mind in your weakest moment if we let him. Because Satan uses your weakness against you. You know, look at Judas in Luke 22, 3-6. Here's a, a great example. Now, we know that Judas had an issue with um, money. Mm-hmm. He had a weakness for money, yeah. right? And Satan uses his weakness against him. Luke 22, 3-6 says, Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray Jesus to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray Jesus to them in the absence of the multitude. Satan used Judas's weakness against him. Mm-hmm. He he had a weakness for money, and you, Satan used that to penetrate his mind to to convince him to do something. Mm-hmm. And you know it's funny because, um, like Jesus said, when they came to get him, he's like, "What is this? I'm in the temple every day. You could yeah. have taken me there. Why did they have to find Judas to betray him? They knew they knew where he was going to be." Yeah, you know it's it's interesting, and it's probably I don't know I haven't looked into it, but it's probably a fulfilled prophecy. It is. Yeah, that he that he's betrayed by one of his by own, one of the numbered one of the numbered. Yeah, yeah. and so you know it just kind of it's another proof thing for us that um, that it was predicted and that that this actually happened. You know. Yeah. And and but it but the the Jews could have just taken him. That's right. Anywhere. But, but yet, they tempted the one of the numbered yeah. into betraying him. But notice how Judas, in this context, it says Judas conferred with the chief priests and captains. So, I don't know how it all started, but Judas was right in there with it. Talking, you know, mm-hmm. pay me such and such and I'll betray him. Yeah. I'll find an opportunity to do it, you know. And, man, to to be witness to what Christ did and being so weak you know in your weakness to allow Satan to penetrate your mind and turn you against the Savior Mm 
you know, Satan, there's something that we have to understand about Satan. He has one very good quality. He is a very hard worker. You know, yeah. Very hard worker, and he is working hard to try to turn you away from God. He will use your weakness against you. You know, and keep in mind, he is a roaring lion, First Peter 5, 8, right? He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. <laughs> well, listen to this. Yeah. Uh, just a comment on verse 4 here. It says, Judas's involvement in the plot to portray betray Jesus was fortunate from the point of view of the Jewish religious leaders. They could arrest Jesus secretly and later claim that the driving force to stop him came from within his own group of disciples. The captains, Levites, who were members of the temple guard were the ones who could make the arrest. And so now they could say, hey, this, this complaint came from within. Yeah. You know, one of his numbered, you know, turned, turned him against, in. Yeah. And, That's a good point. And see how see how the devil uses everyone. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that's a very good point to bring out. And you know, well, wow. he'll use someone in your own family. He does. And you know, you think about how a lion gets his prey. Yeah, you know, they study. He him. doesn't. He they study him and they they stalk him. Yeah, you know they don't they don't call out to the gazelle and say, "Hey, yeah. I'm going to come and eat you. Stay there." Mm. Well, and the Jews here. They watched him. They were watching him like a hawk. Yeah. How many times did they go up to Christ? Try to a bunch. Try to um turn the crowd against him, trying to call him a blasphemer, trying to call him out and never could. Yep. You know, that's what happens when you're perfect, I suppose. Yeah, right. <laughs> but but Satan stalks their prey mm-hmm. and when they are most vulnerable, when their back is turned to him, when they're not expecting him. Mm-hmm. That's when he attacks. That's what well, a lion does. And you know how we talk about um, Jesus, how he was tempted just as we were. Sometimes it would seem that he was te- tempted worse, you know, because yeah. you know he was perfect. And boy, the devil was really working on him, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He, he was really working on him. Of course, he does that for, with the saints too, you know, because he, he doesn't does. have you. So he works on us as Christians really extra hard. Yeah. You know. And and so, you know, it's just interesting. Uh because that's what happened here. The devil had been working on him. Yep. And of course Jesus didn't crack. Right. No, but he tried. And then he made everyone around him fall. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And but it's important. F- to understand the tactics of Satan, yeah, and understand how he's going to turn against or use your weakness against yeah, you. Yeah, it could be a, a a proposition just the same as what Judas got here. Yeah, and it, it, you know, especially if your weakness is money, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. especially if your if your driving force is to gain wealth, so you don't ever have to worry about mm-hmm. life. You know, mm-hmm. because how many problems would you not have? If you had all the wealth and you never had to worry about bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That cuts out a lot of my problems. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And sure. so <clears throat> if your weakness is to, to seek to benefit with wealth, he'll use that against you. Well, no, a lot of people uh, end up 
doing shady things because of money. Money's the root of all evil, right? Yeah. And like get into drugs, selling drugs, you know, because you can make a huge profit. Yeah. You yeah, know, money's like the root that. of all kinds of evil. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it just causes lots of heartache. That's right. And, you know, and so even if like uh, your weakness is something else, like stress and anxiety. Yeah. You know, he'll use that when you're when you're in your weakest moment. He will use that against you when you're when you're so focused and stressed out. Mm-hmm. That's when he's going to penetrate your mind and cause you to have more anxiety. You know, and if you let him, he'll take over. You know, but it's important in that moment to turn to God. You know, it, as it talks about in First Peter five seven. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. God cares for you. So cast your cares upon him. He'll take care of you. So uh, there's a saying I heard. If you pray, then don't stress. If you don't, if you stress, then don't pray. It's kind of kind of a good a good thing to think about there. But if you're always focused on stress, if you're always focused on something other than that, notice. Notice what David says in Psalm 34, 3-5. He says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Mm -hmm. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. See, the Lord knows what we're going through. So when you pray to him, he will deliver you. If you... If you rely on him, mm-hmm. he will turn he will allow a way of escape for you. Yeah, just this verse six. Just one more verse. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's that's straightforward right there. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not saying it's gonna happen overnight, but you know, we gotta pray to him. That's right. Yeah, and we gotta cast our cares upon him. Yeah. You know, we, we need to humbly submit ourselves to him. Mm-hmm. You know, what we want to do is humble to his will. It may be the will of the Lord for you to suffer for a time. Mm-hmm. But having faith in God, knowing that there is a purpose behind the suffering. And that's what Hebrews 12 really digs into. He knows what's best for you. You know, you are going through things to make you stronger in the Lord. So just know that the Lord is there for you. Know that He, you can get through it. He will not bury you and not allow you a way out. Mm-hmm. You know, it also says in Psalm 91, yeah, 1 through 7. I was just looking at that one. Yeah, go ahead and read that. Okay, um, 1 through 7, right? Yes. So it says, He who dwells in the secret places of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous... uh, Pestilence. uh, Pestilence, sorry. He shall come cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your bu- um, buckler. Uh, 
You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste to noonday. At thousand, a thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. And I really like verse 7. Mm-hmm. You know, there he's really illustrating that everyone around you may be struggling. Everyone around you may be falling. Yeah. But it's not going to come near you. Well, and uh, Because you have taken shelter under the mighty wing of God. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chad. Oh, I was just going to say the shadow reference. You know, if someone, we, we talk, maybe a, a kid will follow his dad, and you say, he's just, um, his dad's shadow, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's because they don't let him out of their sight. Or yep. a dog or whatever will do the same thing. Um, Peter, for you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> My dog does not let me out of his sight when I'm home. And and the thing is, that's how we ought to be with the Lord. We should be in his shadow. And if we're in his shadow, we, we have refuge. That's right. And that's what he's talking about. If that's you, right. If you shadow the Lord, what better thing could you shadow, you know? Yeah. But only, only in the Lord can mm-hmm. you find that refuge. That's right. Only if you turn to him. Yeah. You know, that is the only way to get underneath, from underneath mm-hmm. Satan and his evil thumb. Yeah. Satan Satan will have you if you do not turn to the Lord. Yeah. You know, and this this drives the point. Uh, we're out of time. We're out of time. So yeah. we're not going to get there. <laughs> Darn it. But only in the Lord do we can we take refuge. Mm-hmm. Only in the Lord can we take comfort yeah. and get out of the, the snares of the devil. Oh, man, yeah. And just, just thinking about that shadow, if we're in the shadow, you know, that's a great place to be. And that's... That's where we can be. You That's know. where we need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. So you, we have we have the whole armor of God running in the race, and we will not be tempted beyond our what we are able what we are able to bear. Those That's are right. the three things we didn't get to. So there's your boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Those were the last three points. You know, and the biggest one is we're not tempted. You know, First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen. Yeah. We're not tempted beyond what we can bear. Let's actually read that. Go ahead. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Yeah. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So the real question that we need to ask ourselves that I want to leave you asking yourself, are you seeking that way of escape? Mm-hmm. If you're not seeking that way of escape, you will be overtaken by that temptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seek the way of the Lord and seek his way of escape. Yeah, and know your enemy. Our enemy is the devil. Amen. So, all right. Well, great. That's uh, that's the study. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we'll certainly be looking forward to another study with you next week. And we thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next week. See you guys.